You are listening to Mike Seminary and Friends. I think this is the only attorney I've had on Mike Seminary and Friends. So that means it's the second time I've had my guest on. And I'm awfully, awfully excited. Let me tell you a little bit about what she's doing first. She's working with people that deserve a second chance. I'm going to kind of put it that way first. And as you're well aware, not too long ago, I was at Homeboy Industries, where I met a lot of people that were given a second, third, maybe more chances. Because that's just the way we do things. People deserve a second chance, particularly in light of we never really know the circumstances behind the struggles of another person. And we are far too quick to judge sometimes. And one thing about judging, we're rarely really qualified to judge anybody. Sometimes we're not even qualified to have an opinion. And I find myself saying that from time to time that, you know what, I'm not even qualified to give you my opinion on that. And for whatever reason, maybe it's social media, maybe it's just our culture, we have a tendency to give our opinions on a lot of subjects that we have very little background in or experience, and then we judge folks. And that just, uh, I leave judging up to God. That's, that's who I let do all the judging. Well, I'm so delighted to have my guest on today that's making a big difference in people's lives. And she was doing that prior to the almost kind of created this job, maybe. I'm not really sure, but we're going to find on find that out in just a second. Erica Thunder, it's great to see you. Welcome to Mike Seminary and Friends. How are you? Thank you so much, Mike. Nice to see you, too. Thank you for having me again. I was really excited about this kind of part two installment. Yeah, I, I like that. And yeah. I, I, I could have said Dehinook, but and no one would have remembered yeah. that except you. Did I say that right? Dehinook? Yeah, like perfectly. Yeah. Thank you. Which means Lady of the Lake. Yes. And the, the town where your mom was born is under a lake. Yeah. Was it, wait, no, is that right? Was your mom born in Elwood? No, she, she was too my young. Grandma. Your grandmother. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Well, when we last visited, you were the commissioner for the Department of Labor. Yeah. Part of the governor's cabinet. And you had also served in a role at the Indian Affairs Office. You're also still a commissioner for the Indian Affairs. And I I think we talked... A little bit more than a year ago, I think, yep, yep. if memory serves. But an opportunity presented itself. You are now the director, and you're the first director of diversity and cultural competency for the North Dakota Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation. Very important role, yep. very important mission. Please, um, share with us um, how this came to be, because most often when I know that there's a new role that was created, 
it took some coordination that were certain synergies that were in place and then the right person kind of comes along so kind of tell me how this all came to be and why it's a passion for you erica yeah that's a perfect way of being able to really build it up because that's exactly what happened in the end there were several different paths happening and met at the end for this to be able to happen. So um, for DOCR's side, um, the Department of Corrections Rehabilitation, on their side, they have been partnering for years with these really amazing groups, groups like Recidivis and the Vera Institute, the Milpa Institute, um, Nuiju, uh, which is funded by the South Central Foundation, uh, these groups that had quite a bit of interest in reducing recidivism, in creating better public safety by making sure that those who are being released to the public, those who have been justice involved, um, and that number, I usually say about 95% to be safe, but it's right around 97-ish percent of those who are incarcerated will be returning back out to the world. So there were these groups that, and also the folks at DOCR, you know, Leanne Birch, who had also been a commissioner of labor and human rights, a predecessor of mine and someone I certainly look up to. Um, she had really been doing some amazing work when it when it came to prison reform. I mean, internationally well-known uh, work. And then the baton handed off to Director Dave Kravinoff, who is doing just the same exceptional work and with such um, passion and heart and a genuine spirit behind it as well. And so I think that um, with all of that going on, you know, I was in my own world. I was at Labor and Human Rights as well as Indian Affairs. And uh, when I look back and when I look back even at papers and research and where I was studying a lot of things, there was always justice behind it, justice related, equity related, et cetera. And my dissertation for my Indian law certificate that I got, as well as my Juris Doctorate degree from University of North Dakota Law School, um, had been about the disparate impact and treatment of Native Americans within the prison system. And it had really been a bit of a call for um some reformation and a good look at, at what was going on within the systems in general. So I, I like see all of this work and that's just one example of it, but it's funny to look back at that. And then director Dave Kravinoff had um, presented at an Indian affairs commission meeting. And as you said, I serve as one of the at large appointed commissioners. And then that's with two other at large appointed commissioners and then the five tribal chairs of the five tribal nations with uh, the geography that shares with North Dakota. So um, Dave uh, had just 
gave a tremendous presentation on the work that DOCR was doing, on the passion behind it. And he had brought members of his team and they were really looking to be able to start partnering with tribal nations and just seeing, like even throwing it out there, where can we maybe align on things? And I heard some very specific things that piqued my interest outside of the entire thing being just wildly interesting. But he had talked about creating MOUs, memorandums of understanding with tribal nations to be able to you know, safely do work together in the in the fields of like parole and probation and whatever else was needed as well. You know, um, safe transfers and extradition issues and things like that. And I had just really finished up, even though there's it's still going on, um, a ton of work with creating along with a big group of folks from Indian Affairs, North Dakota Iowa Patrol, Tribal Nations, you know, all of these different folks from different jurisdictions, MOUs for cross-jurisdiction when it came to law enforcement. And I found out that the same template was being used, like the one that I originally drafted. And it just, something about it just sounded like... This is, I hope something can come from this. Something about this is special. He's not proposing anything. Dave isn't proposing anything necessarily here, but it just stuck with me. And it stuck with me for probably 10 months or so, you know, maybe almost a year. And I just kept thinking about it. And um, on a complete whim, I had called up, Dave, because we were cabinet members together, and I always really respected him, always really considered him someone that I just appreciated his input, his knowledge, his opinion, everything else. And I said, I know I was like stuttering over my words. (laughs) I couldn't get it out. I was like, I can't stop thinking about the presentation that you gave And the fact that I think that there might be something here as far as a position that could be created. And I said straight up, this is maybe not even a position that I'm vying for, but something is something is here for sure. And he said to me, Erica, you just gave me goosebumps because this is something that we've been waiting for we've been wanting to develop this and there had been all of these groups that we partner with that have been making that as part of their main recommendations for us and he had sent me those recommendations and i just read through them and it was like wow and between everything that i had done at labor and human rights indian affairs my history when i was still serving as an attorney for my tribal nation mha nation my husband's uh, tribal nation, Ho-Chunk Nation, Wisconsin, um, working in Indian country, in and around, within, etc. I just uh, felt like this kind of is the perfect timing. I don't know if I want to choose to go somewhere else, but I think if this would work out, that this would be extremely wonderful. And it would tap into... Um, of course, the tangible side of things, a lot of gaps that we need to address. 
and also a creative side for me. And we talked a little bit in my la- the last episode that I did with you about music and how I was trained in music and come from uh, a mom that's very musical and things like that. And I, one thing I've been doing for quite some time had really put more of my creative side on hold, you know, or just kind of on the back burner. It would it'd show up. You, know, you could see it in some of my work. But um, uh, that's really how it came about. I interviewed along with a lot of other people and I thought, I might not get this. So that's all right too, (laughs) because there were tremendous people that interviewed and I've got to meet quite a few of them. And now I get to um, talk with them and we get to talk in general about, you know, their wishes and input and just listen probably more than anything on top of all the other folks I'm working with. But um yeah, it just happened to work out great. And I can't remember the follow-up question of if I'm enjoying it. Is that it? Or no, if if it's your passion. Absolutely. Yeah. I can't think of anything more. Yeah. So you just you just provided a lot of detail. I wanna, you know, unpack some of it. First starting with recidivism. which is irrespective of someone's culture, ethnicity, background, it's high. And it's high for a number of reasons. It's high because uh, some people go back to the exact same environment and friends that might not have been the best environment and the best friends to begin with, but that's where they're comfortable. That's who they know. So they go back to that. And that's rarely a good thing. It just rarely is. Second, some people, especially some cultures, have more history of struggle than others. And it's because of maybe historical treatment. I'll I'll say it that way. And in this context and you use the the term already, listening. Um, One could make the case that in the Native American community, when it comes to uh, white Americans, there has been a long history of not being really good at listening um, and listening for details and things that cause pain or harm someone. We sometimes aren't very good at that, and I'm included, because it's a patience thing. Some people don't have that wonderful gift of patience, like our governor did, and does when he became governor, even before he spent a lot of time yes. in the tribal community, um, listening for the purposes of understanding. He He did that maybe more than a number of governors combined it. I don't say that in a judgmental way at all. It's just that he did it. He did it. Uh, And then uh, lastly, and there are other, you know, factors. The other is of of the three I wanted to mention. When people become desperate, when desperate people are in desperate situations, 
sometimes they do desperate things. And sometimes desperate things are against the law. Yeah. And you end up paying for it. So now we, so given that umbrella, uh, a history of not understanding and not good treatment. And there's no, no one can argue that. There's just anybody that argues um, that the treatment of Native Americans historically, we should just get over it. You're wrong. And it's because of the trauma. I know people whose parents were in boarding schools, and I've heard the horror stories. And that can create generations of trauma. And that the medical science shows that. And then so on and so forth. So now, so now let me back up. With this new role, this new position, tell me what's the mission of the new role because the role was created they were thinking about it it was created you ended up being the perfect fit for a variety of reasons what's the mission now for you and the role and and uh, department of corrections yeah there's a lot to say on that but to put it in just like three categories it really is being able to transform lives and that that isn't just I'm not just talking about that on the resident side of thing, those who reside within the facilities that are, you know, our correctional facilities. I mean that for being able to assist folks who you know, we got a workforce crisis and we need to be able to employ folks. And we've got something like Rough Rider Industries that's a part of the Department of Corrections that's training men and women in all sorts of amazing ways and mainly uh, labor that's um, quite difficult. Um, And they're training with the best of the best machinery. So even though maybe some of them haven't, you know, seen the technology changes that we've seen, even just within technology goes, of course, so fast, even just within like a few years, they're still being able to use machines that have what they will use and will simulate for them on the outside of the walls. Um, You know, we have got women that are able to, you know, really learn all sorts of different skills that (laughs) go from anywhere to like, you know, tougher labor positions to, you know, uh, fabric, soft, uh, fabrics, sewing, et cetera. Um, and then of course, just, you know, Rough Rider is known for making its beautiful furniture and a lot of really, uh, necessary pieces that whether someone knows it or not, probably is in an office or a building or wherever else that you have been. It's all over the Capitol. It's in a lot of our tribal facilities. Um, It's in a lot of MHA nations, brand new tribal facilities. And so, so we're doing that, transforming lives. That's a part of the mission here. And then also with it is influencing change, being able to open up maybe some hearts and minds, even of the residents, I should stress, because a lot of them don't believe in themselves. 
you hit the nail on the head when you talked about epigenetics, essentially, the science of our trauma. And it's true. If you meet someone who's a tribal citizen, they either have statistically a parent or a grandparent who was in boarding school. I'm an example of that. Um, I have multiple people. I've got an entire family, actually. Um, Some of them have talked about it openly. Some of them never talked about it in their lives and left this world and never talked about their experiences there. And so I think about some of the residents who were institutionalized in that way as a young person from the very early beginning, or maybe in out-of-home placements, you know, things like that, things where there wasn't really, there weren't support systems around, and it was every person for themselves. It was desperation, to your point again. And it really was, for me, something at the beginning of all of this, a goal to be able to see those folks understand that there will be chances out there for them. And of course, on the other side of it too. I'm, it, and there's not even really, I shouldn't even put it on one side and another side. There's so many different pieces to this. It's a big puzzle along the way. And I really, I've had such a good relationship working with North Dakota Highway Patrol and all of our jurisdictions of law enforcement throughout the years of all of my work. And I just, I I knew that there was something there as well. I knew that, you know, like I said, with the memorandums of understanding, there was such a want to be able to just make things easier for folks. Yeah. <laughs> just, you know, in, in every part of a person's life so that we weren't having continuous public safety issues. And that's where I get to my third point was the last goal, strengthening communities to be healthy and to to have productive neighbors because these folks will be some of our neighbors. I've heard so many stories of folks who have, you know, been able to get outside the walls um, and maybe even their correctional officer is now their neighbor, you know? It, so it's an interesting <laughs> turnaround. So it was, it. those are the three main things, transforming lives, influencing change, strengthening community to be healthy and, and productive neighbors. And I didn't do a lot of research on this, and shame on me, but we call it Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation. Is there more emphasis on the corrections piece or rehabilitation? And I say it that way because... We have institutions, I don't even know how many there are. Well, see, there's the State Penitentiary, there's James River, Missouri River, uh, Hart River, the uh, Dakota Dakota Women's Correctional, yep. the North Dakota the Youth Correctional. Yep. Um, those are the biggies. I might be missing some. 
Yep. But so in in those, they all have kind of similar roles. There are places where, um, for whatever reason, someone has found themselves there. Yes. And they're being incarcerated for correction purposes, and there's an opportunity for rehabilitation. Are we emphasizing enough as we learn more about the rehabilitation piece? Are, are, are we doing a good job at that? It depends. That's such an, uh, an attorney answer. <laughs> it depends, I think. No, no, I, I sorry to interrupt because I, I, I hate to do that. We all can get better at a, a number yes. of things. So yeah. I'm not pointing a finger. I'm just asking, are we are we are we doing a good job and and how do we get better at it? Maybe that's a fair way to ask. Yeah. Everything that I've seen since joining DOCR um has shown me that there certainly is a, a very marked effort to be able to um, utilize as many rehabilitative uh, mediums as we can. Um, And I think that this position was really built so that we can continue with it. By the way, I really need to make clear too, there are folks in our facilities that have done very awful things as well. And they will be there till the end of their lives. And there's a reason for the corrections part. So I just want to make that note because this isn't fluffy or anything like that. This isn't, I'm not trying to say that, um, you know, this is something that is uh, just easy and, you know, let everyone out and whatever, you know, it's not that. Um Given the percentages of folks who are going to be returning, you know, if you want to call it to the real world, uh, we need to be able to do something uh, to help folks just get better and also connect with services. And like I said, with employment, that's such a big one. And I think coming from labor and human rights, I see it so strongly of, uh, you know, here here we have an opportunity to fill positions that haven't been able to be filled in North Dakota. We have tens of thousands of jobs open, and we've got folks that need a job. And we know statistically also that 75% of justice-involved people who are unemployed within a year of release are coming back coming back mm-hmm. and those numbers can vary too that can be higher than that right. so it's to both. Pick, yeah to pick up on what you were saying i would uh, I, I, now here i am i'm i'm going to give an opinion and maybe i'm not really qualified enough to do it but i have had uh folks from the jail chaplaincy on one of the recipients of the great work that that organization does. I visited Homeboy Industries recently. I know a little bit about law enforcement. For years, I ran with a judge, and I was blessed to learn a lot about his job and 
the daily activities that are part of his schedule and for every judge, frankly. And so I'll, I'll make those comments based on that kind of background that I have. Clearly, there are people that are uh, incarcerated that have done some awful things. And some of them are, they're not good people. And and either they struggle mightily with some form of psychosis, whatever it might be. And uh, rehabilitation would be really challenging for them. And for some things we do, getting out isn't going to be an option. And I think the vast majority of people that end up incarcerated are, I'm going to put it this way, they're fixable. There are people that most of them, I'm going to go back to, they were in a desperate situation, they did something desperate, and it was probably stupid. Um, And that's why they're there. So now we need to focus on, to your point, what are the steps that we can take? What are the tools that we can use to give them as much assistance as possible so that when they are on the other side of the wall, that they can contribute to uh, the society, but more importantly, they can contribute to their own improvement and become as productive and healthy as possible. So given that, how does your new opportunity and your roles help in that area? And then as it specifics, maybe a two-part question, as it specifically relates to the cultural competency and diversity piece, if you don't mind. How does that all work? I think that it'll depend, again, it'll depend on on the person, on the situation, uh, maybe where they're from, because of course we know too. Um, I'm really, you know, I'm talking with a major indigenous lens on this, you know, conversation today. Um, but, uh, you know, diversity is so much more <laughs> than just race, color, national origin. We're talking about disability, veteran status, pregnancy status, you name it. Um, I think sometimes that gets a little bit lost in the weeds with folks and it becomes, uh, that's where maybe some of the emotion can start coming in. So, um, you, you, you know, again, you're absolutely right, Mike, there are, there are folks that rehabilitation is, um, a a very noted struggle and it's Mm -hmm. probably, not going to be the thing that will assist them in being able to get on the other side of the wall at the end of the day. Here's um, something I thought of. The, yeah. yeah. So this is a new position, a new role. Uh, Dave and his team were thinking about it. You were yeah. in the cabinet together. You had discussions um, and it made so much sense. You applied and uh, beat of the other candidates. Yeah. So one of the things I'm curious about, because again, the the title is you're the director of diversity, excuse me, and cultural competency for the North Dakota Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation. I'm going to assume that doesn't mean you're only working with and with your team, people that are incarcerated, because I, I I've got to think that 
people that are employees of some of the institutions also will benefit from yes. the programs and plans that you're putting in place. Very much. It, I would say it's it's an equal split, and I'll even add in more folks. Um, but it, it is very much focused on, of course, residents. But I would say a lot of my work has been focused on team members within DOCR, you know, our folks who are employed with DOCR. And then, of course, also, you know, all of our stakeholders outside of the DOCR world, um, the department itself. And um, like I said, law enforcement, tribal nations, all these different employers, you know, the business world, et cetera. So there's there's a lot of folks along the way. And higher education comes into play as well. I'm going to UND panel of discussion for some of this work. Um, but yes, I I would say uh educating staff at DOCR is one of uh one of my biggest responsibilities as well. Now, off the top of your head. Do you know how many employees there are in the state system? Oh, gosh. Let me get back to you on that, because I know that we do have an interesting, um, something different that I'm used to in that we have temporary employees. We've got a lot of, you know, different status uh, folks who are employed or contracted even, Um so I apologize, but it's a, I mean, oh, we're, okay. we're one of the largest yeah, cabinets. You're, you're still new. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's different because, yeah. you know, Labor and Human Rights and North Dakota Affairs Commission, those were much smaller. DOCR is, is, is very large. Yeah. And spread how, out. How, how much does your certification in Indian law come into play with your new role? A lot. A lot for education purposes. A lot for when there are questions that come up. I have to be very clear. I'm not licensed in the state of North Dakota, so I can't call myself a licensed attorney in this state. I'm not giving any legal advisement or anything like that. Um, just so Tony Weiler, also former commissioner of labor and human rights, now executive director of uh, the State Bar Association, doesn't give me a call. Um, <laughs> but it, it does. It comes up. It comes up a lot, um, even just on jurisdiction questions. Jurisdiction, as you probably know, Mike, in Indian country is very complex, very confusing, um, civil or criminal jurisdiction issues. So, you know, there are a lot of things, there are a lot of conversations that I've been pulled into, even for folks, for residents who will be with us for quite a while, uh, some not as well, but um, who are having behavioral health and mental health struggles. Um, and maybe there's a guardianship that has been created by the tribal nation of which they are a citizen of, you know, everything else. And I 
I usually come into play in those conversations and start reaching out to general counsels and judges and, and this and that. And yeah, like I said, education is, is a huge part of it. I think I'm educating while I'm doing that work, but when we're actually, when I'm with the education department within DOCR, it's, it's the main work that I focus on really being able to take people through the eras of policy and law as we know it in what is Indian law, which was created out of a trilogy of Supreme Court cases um, decided by um, Chief uh, uh, Justice Marshall. And it's called the Marshall Trilogy. These these three cases really created Indian law itself, mm-hmm. as we know. And so I um, I do a lot of that. Uh, and I'm able to use my certificate that way. I always feel a little bit funny about the word certificate because, I mean, that is what it is. And UND School of Law offers, has been offering the Indian Law Certificate for quite some time. They offer aviation law certificate. Um, I'm going to blank out because I know that they've added at least one or two more since I have graduated law school, Mm -hmm. but, um, it really is like a second degree, you know, it's a, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of time. I was lucky because I had summer classes, so I was able to fit it all into three years and graduate exactly on time, but it's a lot of extra work. When, when it comes to uh, communication, and in this case, listening, do, do you have times where you set up a listening session? And, and when I say listening, I um, listening to learn, listening to understand, not listening to debate, not listening to do anything other than understand and learn. Do, do you have opportunities or have you, or will you, listening sessions where you sit down with residents and staff where the the majority of the discussion or conversation comes from the residents almost exclusively so that people can have a better understanding of until I walk in that person's shoes. Have you had those kind of opportunities? Absolutely. So I've had um, a little bit more formal. And by that, I just mean it was like a scheduled and it's on a regular cadence. I have that for the men and women. Um, Hopefully we'll be able to phase that into the youth now pretty soon here as well. I've had a lot of informal that turned into actually quite formal meetings. When I go over to the Heart River Women's Correctional Center to do smudging, which I do minimally on a quarterly basis, uh, which is nice because it's in-house. We've had folks come in in the past, um, but now there's the women know that this is something that they can count on. But my point with all of it is to say that 
when I go over there for smudging, I know that it's going to be able to be a less formal type of setting, which actually I've always believed in any of my work has produced some of the best results when it comes to just listening. And a lot of folks' guards are down and I'm smudging their rooms. You know, they're really showing me a part of themselves that is their heart. They have pictures of their kids and loved ones. Um, One time it got me, I promise, Mike, I'm not going to, not this time. No, I'm not going to get emotional this time. Um, But I've seen obituaries that have been hung up and they were like near a funeral home, which is back in Botno. And it was Turtle Mountain folks that I knew. And so they, they have been missing all of these things, you know, in their, in their lives. And I hear about them and, and I just listen at the beginning of a smudging session, we start with a whole group in a circle And I just ask anyone to share what it is that's on their heart and mind, um, what they're hoping for in that session, and also in general, how I'm going to be able to help them, the things that they're needing. And And it turns into a very deep and productive conversation because these women are all folks who are going to be getting out again in a very short amount of time, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe 32 months tops or something like that. Yeah. I'm going to assume the majority of people listening, they don't know what a smudging session is. Mm -hmm. So please explain the importance of, of that. And typically how frequent it's important to be engaged in a smudging session. Yeah. So with everything, um, I know even before this conversation, I was just reminding myself that I don't need to make big sweeping statements on anything because smudging can be so different for everyone and every tribe and within a tribe, there's differences and not everyone smudges and Etc. Etc. But uh, the way I go about it um, is really quite simple. I have my bundle of you know sage that I use, and luckily that's never been a problem to be able to bring in to the women's facility, which is where I do smudging. I don't do smudging with the men; they've got their folks to do that, and it's a it's not exactly proper for a female to be doing that for men um culturally and i believe even probably on some level of policy within docr's type of policies and rules um because it is it's it's an intimate time where you're you know really helping folks out and i take um my bundle of sage and um i have an abalone shell And I take the old Flintstone, (laughs) some of my relatives call it just a lighter, (laughs) and um, be able to get, you know, the sage burning so you can really kind of get that aroma. It's so funny when I brought my husband to 
um, a church service back in Botno years ago, years, years ago, um, a Catholic service. Um, he was so intrigued. It was uh, midnight mass at Christmas time. He was so intrigued by um, the incense and how the altar was set up. He was like, wow, this is exactly like how, not exactly, but there are very similar ways that we do things in our meetings and ceremonies. And at this time I hadn't, I've been around some of it, uh, the Ho-Chunk nations. Um, And there's even, you know, there's subcultures within the Ho-Chunk nation of how they practice religion and spirituality and and be a sacred plant. And we use it, we use this incense, this, this medicine, to be able to what we believe is cleanse ourselves from head to the bottom of our feet so that we can think good thoughts, feel good feelings in our heart, be good to others, be kind to others with the way that we speak, you know, with the way that we um, need to listen to others and in the bottom of our feet to be able to walk a good road. And Um, I always remind the women when I'm doing it, I use an eagle feather to be able to, you know, push the, the incense upon them, um, that they deserve good things in life. You know, this is use this as a way to, you know, harness whatever it is inside yourself, your strength, your power, whatever word you want to use and, and, and put it towards a place where you can see good things, you know, because uh, yeah. I want that for them. So it really, I mean, that's that's ba- that's a really basic explanation of just how I go through things. We do a, you know, we do a whole group circle. We do it individually with each person, and then I go to everyone's rooms um, as time and the smoke alarms allow, because. <laughs> Sometimes, sometimes if you get a bundle of sage that's maybe dried out a little too much, it, you know, can get that fire alarm going off. <laughs> we don't want that. So, <laughs> but so, it, it really is, it's a cleansing ceremony. Here's my last question. So between your uh, previous career as labor commissioner your continued involvement as a commissioner in the Affairs uh, Commission, and I should say Labor Commissioner for North Dakota Department of Labor and Human Rights. Yes. And we kind of touched on this, but didn't go into much detail. And this has less to do with people that are incarcerated because they've done something pretty horrific, and they're going to be institutionalized for some time. That's not the majority of residents in any of the institutions in the North Dakota Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation. Help us understand from from your diverse background how we can better understand the the human condition that someone deals with where they come from severe poverty, they they come from 
an environment where the unemployment rate is staggeringly high. Uh, addiction is is a uh, is a problem that impacts decision making as well. And then there's a, a history of significant cultural trauma yep. that can generationally impact families. How can we? And because I think this is very important, Erica. How yeah. can we better understand and put ourselves in a position where we can listen and help to make a difference? Because we're all in this deal together. Yeah. And the more that we can help to contribute to improving the condition of another human being, the better off we're all going to be. Share some of your wisdom and knowledge with us, please. There's so many different ways. I mean, from more, again, formal settings where the public is able to join us or even request to uh, join, whether it be an educational um, presentation that's going on. There's been so many of those. And um the public can always find out through DOCR, our public information officer, our website, any of our information like that. Um, and also, I, you know, I think my favorite place usually to start is by checking out Rough Rider Industries more than anything. Um, I think you really get to see the best of folks there because they're they're working they're on the job you see them on the job doing all of the things that would be quite surprising they're making our license plates <laughs> all of ours the state of north dakota our tribal nations etc um you get to meet you get to meet the guys right there you get to see their artistry and actually hear and talk with and start to understand how folks from Rough Rider specifically, and I can go into other places as well, but um, are at a level where they're, you know, maybe they'll be paroled in like a month or two from now, or, you know, they'll be released and just six months, something like that, you know, maybe they're from Western North Dakota, which is very typically, as I understand it from my conversations, always with uh, DOT, the Department of Transportation, is where we need folks who have, have CDL license of any background, but I'm really thinking of employers, mainly in this, in this context, but, um, of just how much experience there is and um, the opportunities that have already come up for these folks who are working there, the places where they've already found great success. I know folks who went to very large companies after they were released and were literally employee of the year. <laughs> and they've gone to, you name it. I mean, there's just amazing groups out there, amazing businesses that have hired, um, you know, our residents and they've done a tremendous job and we have hired our own residents, by the way. 
Um, because if we gotta, we gotta walk the walk here, you know? So I think that there's a lot there, um, between some of education, rough rider at any time. I mean, you know, there are at least precluding, um, any issues with a background check or things like that. People can go on uh, visits within our facilities as well. You know, there's a lot of security precautions along with it as well. We don't want just people coming through um, any old way. Um, so, but yeah, I think through that, and I think that um, uh, being able to just be able uh, to catch us in our, we do so many public events that um, maybe some go under the radar a little bit. Um, I had just been a part of hosting this tribal exhibition dance that we had at Missouri River Men's Correctional Center though it was a closed private event because it was the first time that we were ever doing this and we didn't want any issues and we just wanted it to go off without, you know, any kind of issue, which it did. And it was amazing. I still am jazzed from it. And it was almost a month ago, but I sent out tons of invites to folks from around the state, outside of the state, people I knew who would be wanting to be able to join in and we plan on more events like this in the future and um really for everyone's benefit at the end of the day you know is there a website people can monitor for those potential upcoming events yeah just check out our docr.nd.gov okay and by the way, thank you for inviting me to that one. And I'm so yeah. sorry that my schedule just didn't allow me to participate. That's um, all right. I'm sorry that I missed it. Please invite me again. Yes, Please. I will. I will. Absolutely. Well, Erica, I'm sorry that we had some technical issues during our recording today. Um, those things yeah. happen. I so appreciate yeah. you and what you're doing. You know, you know. We are called to love everybody. And sometimes that isn't easy because sometimes people we love can do things that we hate and we don't understand. Yes. And it really shouldn't make them less lovable, right? Yes. Um, and so your work will go a long ways, to, I, I, in my opinion, Director of Diversity and Cultural Competency for the North Dakota Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation, go a long way to helping those people that we should love yeah. as yeah. they transition from a life of being a resident somewhere they didn't really want to be yep. to back on the other side of that wall to being a far more healthy and productive contributing member of the society where we all win. Yes. And if if we're not doing things to help that person win, we really ought to because we're in the same boat together. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Uh please invite me to another event and you know what might be kind of interesting and we can talk about this offline if you will. Yeah. 
sometime down the road, if if this is possible, someone you're working with, where mm-hmm. this new role and position and responsibilities has impacted and made a difference, that might be willing to share that. That yeah. could be a lot of fun. I totally agree. I totally agree. I think that'd be wonderful. There's just so much excitement right now because um, we're seeing statistically so many numbers rise in how residents are feeling about their futures, about their preparedness for their futures, for our and our and our staff as well about how they're feeling. And I, I, there are so many amazing people that really should be in a spotlight, whether they are working boots on the ground on behalf of DOCR or their residents who, you know, did something silly that probably anyone could have done. And I, I, I serious as well, but maybe a lesser offense. And have been able to turn it around, you know? Yeah. And yeah. Um, I I, uh, I firmly believe exactly in, in what you said, Mike, as well. Um, just need to be able to lift each other up. Yeah. Erica, thanks so much for taking time for your busy schedule to join me. And thank you for what you're doing. Uh, you're making a difference in places where somebody needs to step in, you're doing that. So thank you so much. You take good care. We'll, we'll do this again. Yeah, I hope so. I love it. I, You know how I feel. So thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Take Very good soon. care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye.